My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Thursday the 25th of January. I'm Zara. I'm Emma. Late yesterday afternoon, Australia's population officially ticked over to 27 million. And according to some, it's a number that might have come earlier than predicted. I think the challenge, the goal really should be to get migration numbers back to a more historically sustainable pathway. But there are others who say things might not be exactly as they seem. There's lots of lots of uh, concern and dare I say population panic around whether or not we've reached this 27 million milestone ahead of schedule or on time or whatever. You're going to hear from two experts about what this 27 million number actually means and why you should care about it in today's deep dive. But first, Em, what's making headlines? Former US President Donald Trump has defeated Nikki Haley in the New Hampshire primaries. The result brings Trump a step closer to securing the Republican presidential nomination. But former UN Ambassador Haley says she won't be bowing out of a race that is, quote, far from over. It comes after Ron DeSantis dropped out of the presidential race following Trump's win in the Iowa caucuses last week. The next major test for Trump and Haley will be in South Carolina, where Haley used to be governor. Kim Williams has been confirmed as the new chair of the ABC. Williams was formerly the chief executive of News Corp and he'll replace Ida Butrose when she steps down as chair in March. The ABC chair oversees the national broadcaster's nine-member board and is responsible for ensuring independence and integrity at the broadcaster. France's Data Protection Authority will fine Amazon more than 50 million Aussie dollars for invading staff privacy. Amazon France has been accused of monitoring its warehouse staff with an excessively intrusive system, and that includes tracking workers' performance through the data recorded on handheld barcode scanners. The authority found Amazon is in breach of employee and privacy rights. And the good news, a 99-year-old competitive swimmer has beaten three world records in her age category. Betty Brussels set new record times for the 400-metre freestyle, 50-metre backstroke and 50-metre breaststroke at a competition in Canada. Brussels said, swimming is my love. It makes me forget all my worries and I feel great. I I love Betty Brussels, (laughs) the good news we needed. As many of us were finishing our workday yesterday, Australia hit a new milestone. Our population grew to 27 million. But in the middle of housing, cost of living and environmental crises, is Australia actually equipped to deal with its growing population? To find out what this number actually means for us, I thought I'd ask the experts to unpack this one. Mark McCrindle is a demographer, a social researcher and the founder of McCrindle Research and he joins us on the podcast now. Hi Mark, welcome to The Daily Oz. Thanks Emma, great to be with you. Now we're ticking over a pretty significant milestone this week, 27 million Australians. 
What does this number really mean? Why is this an interesting or important announcement? Well, any of these population milestones gives us a chance to reflect on our population, our growth, how we're growing and our future. And this particular one is key because it's come in record time. We've just had the largest annual population increase ever in our history. It does create challenges, you know, particularly because right at the time that we've hit this new record of annual increase is the time of inaffordability around homes, shortages and uh, around vacancies for rentals, infrastructure bottlenecks, uh, people really concerned about the next generation being able to afford a home. We just hit uh, uh, an annual increase through migration of 518,000 in the past year. Now, the last 10 years, we've averaged about 235,000 annual increase through migration. So we're more than twice what has been the recent norm. And, uh, and that's what I think has not only created the new record in population increase, but new challenges around affordability, housing availability, and planning for this growth future. We have an ageing population here in Australia. I'm interested if we know a bit of a breakdown on the demographics of our population groups. What are we looking like on that front and what pressures do you anticipate there? Well, that's right. You know, this ageing curve on which we find ourselves is pretty dramatic and we uh, just over a decade ago, uh, we, we'd only just tipped out of the 20s as the midpoint in our population. It was in the early 30s. Now we're in the late 30s over the next decade, probably edging into 40 as the median age of our nation. So that's pretty steep aging. And the migration numbers don't do a lot to mitigate that because the average person coming in is a little bit younger than the average age, but, um, you know, before too long, and, and they're adding to the workforce, but before too long, you know, they're on the upper end of the of the average age. Factoring in the declining birth rate, do you think there's maybe a bit of imbalance with the conversation around population growth, that there is such a focus on migration and potentially the negative impacts of overpopulation from migration against this other concept that we probably hear a little bit less about, declining birth rates. The birth rates have pared down. Maybe we've got about 18,000 fewer births than otherwise we would have had. Well, we've got 518,000 arrivals uh, in the last 12 months from overseas migration. So in other words, any slight curbing of the birth rate uh, is more than matched by massive increases in overseas migration. So it's actually not not doing anything um, to, to sustain the population by lowering the birth rate. I wanted to ask another demographer, Dr. Liz Allen. She works at the Australian National University and I checked in with her about this relationship that Mark spoke about between migration and the Australian population. Let's just take a moment and consider where these facts are coming from. There has been discussion reflecting on and pointing to the intergenerational report, the IGR of 2002. So that's over 20 years ago, that's a generation ago, and more importantly, we have had five intergenerational reports uh, completed by the Australian Treasury Department since then, each containing population projections. So the concerns and the population panic that has been uh, used and, and fueled by a cherry-picked data point from 2002 does suggest that we are ahead of schedule, but these are population projections, not forecasts. 
So if we think about 2002, think about we plucked the hell out of our eyebrows. We've since learned that that's not a good idea. So we can see what was happening in 2002. And we know then that the assumptions that they may have made based on the trends that they were seeing at that time in relation to the population, namely around natural increase, the balance between births and deaths and immigration, were perhaps not going to be lived or not going to be ex experienced the way expected. So hold on to your population panic pants. Um, this population milestone is as expected. A lot's been said about migration and its impact on population numbers. What's your take on perhaps this idea of population panic that you've articulated and the relationship at play with migration there? So this population panic, uh, don't get me wrong, I think there is a healthy element of concern or at least um, investment in understanding population and population dynamics. But this kind of panic that's stirred up and, and is being stirred up by particular commentators, particular elements of the media, lead to people being concerned. My largest concern around that is the fact that when we hear the word population, it's generally code for immigration. And so we're not really reflecting on population in its totality, but rather where that population is coming from. And that sometimes means that we, we become a bit hostile to each other and we perhaps are not as welcoming as we ought to be. Australia is an ageing population and immigration is vital to offsetting adverse consequences, particularly in relation to a shrinking taxpayer base, um, to ensure that our living standards don't go backwards. We've had a lot fueling this population panic over the last window of time because during COVID, in a so-called kind of quasi-population experiment, well, perhaps a natural uh, population experiment, by where, um, whereby we saw international borders close, during that time, we had zero or even negative, and in fact, in an order of tens of thousands of people, negative net overseas migration. That meant that we had an excess of people leaving the country. Anyone who was about to leave, perhaps they were finishing their studies in a couple of years' time, they left um, perhaps prematurely. What that then means is we've now kind of coming out of these closed uh, borders, things are open up again now. And so we've seen these very artificially high numbers of net overseas migration, fueling the population panic. These will restabilize and will normalize in a very short period of time. It's just a quirk of COVID. As our population grows, you know, whether or not it's growing at a faster rate than expected, whether or not there is this impact from migration, we are in the middle of a cost of living crisis, a housing crisis, a climate crisis. How does a growing population impact those already strained parts of our society? As you perfectly state, we are in the midst of a cluster of crises. It is the perfect storm. It's easy to point the finger at people, but the reality is in this country, we have seen 
an unwillingness to invest in vital infrastructure, in, in a monetary value, and to really invest in the well-being of people. We need now to consider these uh, multiple catastrophic, in some experiences, crises, and reimagine things so that we are investing in what I think are the four critical issues for Australia climate change, housing affordability, gender inequality, and of course, job security. We need to consider these things. And more importantly, immigration is vital to helping the nation weather this current storm. In addition to the economic benefits, people that come to this country are literally helping us build this place build our houses, staff our hospitals, staff all manner of critical services. What do you think would be the most successful ways to kind of meet these problems in the middle with migration numbers and a skills shortage? Do we need to see policy and initiative that would bring those things together? Without a doubt, Australia needs to reconsider its migration program and definitely evaluate whether it's fit for purpose for now. Certainly recent uh, research and investigation that uh, the government has instituted suggests it's not fit for purpose and definitely change needs to occur. But we do not need uh, a total stop on immigration. I think what we need instead is to kind of sit back and consider the demography of Australia in its totality. At the moment, we have intergenerational transmission of advantage and disadvantage. The bank of mum and dad is determining whether you can own a home or not. That's just wrong. We should not be seeing that kind of uh, entitlement and privilege uh, come at the cost of cohesion in this country. I do want to ask you before we let you go about the birth rate and trends that we've seen there. What does a declining birth rate mean for the population? So a declining fertility rate in its own right is not a problem. It actually indicates that people have greater control over their lives. And Australia is not unique in the world. In fact, half the world's population lives in an area where they are experiencing what's known as below replacement fertility rate. We're not replacing mum and dad, so to speak. Now, what does keep me awake at night is the notion that young people more and more are saying that they cannot achieve their desire for a family. Why? Because the obstacles to achieving their family intentions are insurmountable. We have climate boiling. We have issues that as this kind of cluster of crises, cost of living, housing and so on, mean that the future is uncertain. Our young people are concerned and really don't feel secure in the tomorrow. That needs to be addressed because without faith and hope for the future, we really have no humanity. Liz, happy 27 million to you and all who celebrate. Happy 27 million. And I imagine in a, in a few years' time, you'll be, where was I when the 27 clock ticked over? I'm sure um, we'll be telling our grandchildren. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to The Daily Oz. If you are listening to this one on Spotify, why not let us know what you thought about the episode? There's a little question box under the show notes and you can tell us there what you thought. 
We'll be back in your ears again tomorrow, but until then, have a fabulous day. Ready? And? This is the Daily Oz. This is the Daily Oz. This is the Daily Oz. Oh, now it makes sense. 